Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. For y'all that have never heard me, we, we have pastored the same church for 40 years. Um, we had a fast-growing church. It was moving. God was doing things. Uh, but I didn't feel good. I was dying, and uh, it was killing me. Uh, we, we had, a, I think at the time, uh, we ended up with about 11 on staff, and the churches had about 800 and some odd members, and everybody was just, it was high church, it was high energy, it was highly developed, it was all these strategies and all of these visions, and I was rolling, and uh, these bikers came to our church, and I got saved, and uh, I started seeking the Lord, and I ended up going underneath a bridge on Sunday morning before I'd preach, and I cha- that changed my whole message because I went out the, underneath that bridge thinking that I had answers they needed, and when I got out there, I found out they had answers I needed. And when I got out there, I found out I didn't even know the questions to ask them. And so I, it just began to change everything about me. And I, I started looking at the Bible. And so this morning, the things I'm going to say to you today, I felt like I needed to lay the foundation of why I'm saying what I'm saying. You know, when you see something, when God reveals something to you, it changes everything about the way you live your life. If you really see something that you hear is from God and you truly believe it's a conviction of your heart, it truly changes everything that you do. It changes the way you look at the Bible. It changes the way your relationships are developed. It, It changes everything. And I was telling the men yesterday that I really believe there's a lot of people in the church that don't have conviction about anything. There, there's no convictions. There's no nothing inside of them that says, I've got to do this. There's no, there's no fire in their bones. I've never been known. Nobody's ever come up to me. Cal, nobody's ever come up to me and said, boy, Bird, you was really wise in that. I've never had somebody when I got through preaching say, man, you are smart. But what I have had is when I get through preaching, I have, I have people come up to me and say, man, I love the fire that's in you. I love the passion that's in you. And then, then I have people say, well, how do you maintain that passion at 72 years old? How do you continue to roll the hours you roll and do the things you do? I don't know if you know it, but getting on a motorcycle and riding 49 hours or 50 hours is brutal. It's brutal. And people say, well, don't you hurt? And I'm saying, don't, aren't you smarter than that enough to ask that question? You're pretty dumb if you ask me that question. Because you don't sit on a motorcycle for 50 hours and not hurt. I hurt. Even my hair hurts. I mean, I hurt. Well, Tenny don't have any hair to hurt. But we hurt. So why would you do something? My son asked me one time, I can't tell you everything he said, but he said, why do you have to do so many stupid things? And I said, because I have a conviction in my heart. There's something inside of me that says I can't sit down on the seat of do nothing and do nothing. I've got to do something about what I believe. And I believe that God, if we will find people that have that kind of conviction, that we can change America. 
I believe we can change the church. Am I in a house that believes God's still the God that can defeat a Goliath and can take a Goliath down? Am I in a church that believes that God still has the power to bring down the enemy in our land that's destroying our nation? How many of y'all are still with me today? Are you believing with me that we're serving that kind of God? And so everything about it started flowing out of this. And I got to get back to my notes or I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. I love, I love, I love, I love the power of the Lord. It's so addictive. I wanted to start in the book of 2 Corinthians. And it's at the 10th chapter and it's the 12th verse. And I'm going to read it. And for y'all that are familiar with me, you know that I normally just quote scripture and don't read them. But I want to read. I want to take time today. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, it says Paul's talking and he gets a little sarcastic. And he said, of course, we wouldn't dare to put ourselves in the same class or, or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly. Pause. I've been in church all of my life, been preaching since I was 16. I had a little bit of success underneath my belt according to American standards. I had position. I was the bishop over 26 churches. And I was around a lot of people who thought pretty highly of themselves. I've been amazed at the people, I do this prayer every day, and I've been amazed at people that would ask me, why do you always have something in there about repenting? Because probably 90 or 95% of the time, there's a, there's, a, there's a part of it that says, forgive us, Lord. And I've been amazed. I told Carolyn this morning, I said, I hope, I hope I'm understood that I'm not, I'm not looking down, but I'm looking at. And I, as I, as I, I see it, I see that there's so many people in the church world that believes they're so right that there's nothing wrong to repent from. And there's leaders that believes there's nothing wrong because we have nice facilities, we have nice services, we have nice equipment, and we have cute people. And we, so therefore we can say, how in the world are we wrong? And I, what started it, Jarvis, was I said, when I got to this scripture, I said, my God, if we are so right, why is America so wrong? If we are so right, why are our children being destroyed in our system? So I started saying, God, I'm going to start looking a little different at the whole picture. And that began to change. It got down. Let's go to the next part of that verse. It says, they compare themselves to one another and make up their own standards to measure themselves by. And then they judge themselves by their own standards. <laughs> what self-delusion. And I, the King James says something like this, it's, that it's foolishness to judge yourself by yourself. And what I have found is that we enjoy judging each other by our perceived standards of holiness and righteousness. This is getting a little heavier. Maybe I'll just go back to preaching. <laughs> but we find ourselves judging ourselves by ourselves, and it's ludicrous. 
And so what I've done is I started saying, God, lead me. I took off my Pentecostal lens and I said, Lord, show me according to your scripture what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a leader, what it is. I want to see you, Jesus. How many of y'all believe he's the greatest leader that ever lived? He's the one that we role model our life after. When we call ourselves a Christian, we're saying we are Christ-like. <laughs> Yeah, it changed my life. I was a holiness boy that had never gone into a bar. And I saw Jesus hanging out with people who were drunk. I saw people hanging, Jesus hanging with people who were of ill repute. And my, my church had taught me, come out from among them and be you separate. And I said, oh, God, I want to I be more like you than the church that raised me. I want to be more like you than anything that has indoctrinated me. I want to desperately. I sat before the sun come up this morning with the Bible laying on my chest in the calmness of the morning saying, Jesus, I don't care what I know. I don't care what I see. All I want is you. I want you, Jesus. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. I want you. Followed him ever since I was nine years old. Preached my first sermon. They told me I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was supposed to be a witness. So at nine years of age, I go to the playground that day and I get on a swing and I call my congregation to order. And I preached the gospel to the playground kids. I made an altar call. I can't remember if anybody responded. But I do remember I messed up. I didn't take an offering. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I desperately wanted to be like him ever since I was nine years old. I just got sidetracked following a system. And I said, God, help me. Help me get back to that place where it's all about you, not about a system, not about religion, not about keeping people happy. But Lord, I want to I please you. And how many of you know when you take that life and you say, Lord, I want to follow you, there's a lot of things that start changing and people don't always like that. We don't like change. We like consistency. And then the second thing that I started doing is I started hanging around those people in the bars. And I started hanging around those people underneath the bridge and in the homeless centers. I started going to the prisons, and I didn't go in there to preach and sing and get them to say the sinner's prayer. I think that's all a fluke. You only get a lot of people raise their hand in prison, promise them you'll be back with pizza the next month. If you want to get a lot of people to say the sinner's prayer in a homeless center, you bring the best food to the rest of the crowd. And you'll get them all to raise their hand and say the sinner's prayer. And they may say that sinner's prayer every time a good meal comes. So I didn't go into prison again to tell them what I knew. I went into prison to learn what they knew. I wanted to know what made them tick. I wanted to know what made, what was going on in their hearts. 
I started then looking at the church through the world's eyes. Instead of looking at the church, as Paul says, to look through ourselves by our own standards, I started looking at ourselves through the eyes of those that are outside the church. How many of y'all recognize that if Jesus was here today, he probably physically wouldn't be in here? He would probably be out there. Now, he still attended the synagogues, but the point I want you to understand is that is his goal out there. And when I started looking at the world, the church through the world's eyes, yeah, Pastor Steve, I had to go through some sanctification myself because I got ticked at the church. Because we weren't doing some of the things that Jesus would have had us do. Thank you, Pastor. We weren't doing what Jesus would have done. What Jesus would have us do. And so I started saying, okay, God, how does this, how does this all flesh out? And then so God started taking us a step at a time down this journey. Now let's, let's just flip over and let's go to first John, the third chapter. I'm going to move through some of this as quickly as I can. We're reading from the, I hope they're, I don't know if they have it, the passion translation, but that's what I'm reading. Delightfully. Love children. How many, come on, how many of y'all know Jesus loves us? Come on, how many of you really can comprehend Jesus loves you? Yeah, I'm, I'm grasping it. I, I think I know it. And then he shows me another, another level of his love. Aren't you glad it's unending? He said, don't let anyone divert you from this truth. The person that keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God, even as the Messiah is righteous. But the one who indulges in a sinful life is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Do this with me. Would you just hold your hand like this for a minute and go, kapush? We just bless the American gospel. God knows your heart. It's okay if you keep sinning. You'll work through it. And when you get to the concept, now am I perfect? A long ways from it. Don't you dare ask Carolyn. I've been in Stephen Yvonne's house now for three nights, so don't ask them. I'm far from perfect, but I don't keep sinning. I don't keep committing the same sin because I found out if I kept doing the same sin, I was of the devil. Say, come on, say, kapush. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We've, we are now at the point that people come into church regularly, which is once a month. It's in the last six years has dropped from 56% in America to 35. And we keep lowering that. Did you hear that once a month? How many of y'all were raised you as in church three times a week? Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And oh, by the way, it felt so good. We'll get together Friday for a dinner and Tuesday for prayer. You know, it was just, we were there and we have fallen so far because we keep lowering the bar to keep our numbers up so that we can have good reports. This is going to get good. Just relax. Hang with me because we're going somewhere. But I want you to understand what makes M25 tick, what, what, why we do things like the diaper run. 
And so you get on down. Let's read on. Let's get to the good stuff, all right? It said, but the one who, okay, and it says, the reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. How do you believe that? How many of y'all been born again by the blood of the Lamb? I love this church because it's real salvations and it's real discipleship. It's really seeking God. How many of y'all will understand that when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about all nations. I'm not even talking about my tribe necessarily. I'm talking about the church in general in America. And what we have got to understand is we're a part of that in the world's eyes and how they look at us is accordingly to what everybody else is doing, not just us. They will be upset with us over something that we totally disagree with, but because we call ourselves a church, they will identify us as such. But I want you to know there are a lot of people who are sitting in the pews across America who has never been born again this morning. There are a whole lot of people, they actually, I read, read a report the other day, and they're saying it's around 66% of the people sitting in the pews have never had a transformational experience with God. How many of you are glad that you've had a transformational experience with God? I was what that was, but I am now what this is. I'm no longer that guy. I'm no longer that guy that had a temper if you said the wrong thing, we were going at it. I'm no longer that guy that you couldn't say something to and I didn't react to it in an ugly way. I'm no longer that guy that's driven by the greed of America. I'm no longer that guy. I mean, you know, I could go on and on and on. I'm no longer that guy. I'm this guy and I'm going to live this guy. I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to be the best guy this guy can be until Jesus makes me a little better. Somebody say hallelujah with me this morning morning but he didn't save me and leave me to my own devices he saved me and included me in his eternal plan that's awesome I can't understand it I look at God so many, I look up to the heavens. I'm, I mean, I'm riding down the road on my motorcycle and I'm looking at God and I'm going, you know, you, I, I know you're a wise God, but you made a bad decision with me. I ain't too smart. I, I, I just a, come from a poor sharecropper family. I, I don't have any deep heritage. God, what were you thinking when you trusted me with your kingdom? I don't want to be, Steve, like that guy that Paul talked about that thought so highly of themselves. May God always remind me that I'm all that, not all of that in a bag of chips. I'm not really something special. I'm just special because Jesus loved me and made me who I am. And according to that, I can walk in that newness, in that joy, and in the strength that he gives to me. But he then, how many of y'all have ever taken the time to look at Jesus and how he did altar calls? He never told him, come forward, God's going to do all this stuff for you. He never told him, come up here and God's going to heal your sicknesses and he's going to drive the diseases out of your body and he's going to pay all your bills and he's going to do all of this stuff for you. He looked at him and he said, you don't want to follow me. 
Birds have nests and foxes have holes, but I don't have any place to lay my head. Do you really want to come? He looked at the disciples one day and he said, look, there's a whole lot of people departing me right now. It's probably a good time for you to go. He didn't go over there and beg them and say, would you, what did I do to offend you? What can I do to bring you back? What can I do to take care of you? He said, don't let the door hit you on the, yeah. Was it because he's not a compassionate God? No, he knew what this thing was going to cost you. He knew what it's going to cost you. How many of you know in America we've had some good years to where being Christian was okay and cool? But how many of you all have recognized that you put Christian on your back and there's a big target that's on it? They hate everything we stand for. I haven't listened to the video yet, but they said John Brevere just did an interview with one of the Israeli guys. And John Brevere said, uh, the church in America is not ready for what's ahead. I've been trying to say that for 10, 20 years. We're not ready. COVID proved we weren't ready. God gives us warnings, doesn't he? And we're, we're, the signs are theirs. The signs are there. And so God is saying, look, buckle your seat belts. This ride's fixing to get heavy. This ride is fixing to have some rough waters to it. I wrote in my prayer journal this morning, thank you, God, because God was dividing Judah and Israel, and he made it very clear which side they were on. There was no question. How many of y'all know that we could very well be facing the days ahead where the plumb bob of God's justice is dropped down, and you're not going to have to wonder if you're a Christian or not. The Lord is going to reveal what's inside of your heart. How many of y'all know that that very well could be in the next few years that God does it? I don't know God's timetable. But the good news is, is right now he's given us an opportunity to do something different. The beginning of the year, trying to bring this down, the beginning of the year, the Lord always seems to give me a scripture and it's been, I meant to bring a couple of patches and give it to Pastor Stephen Yvonne. I'll give it to you when I get the house. But it's a warrior cry standing with the sword drawn. Can y'all see him? See him on that big white horse? How many of y'all have ever taken Revelations 19 and saw that vision of Jesus on that big white horse holding that sword in the air and the blood dripping off of him and he's taken in the enemy out? How many of you know that day is going to come and God is empowering his people? He has empowered his people. Luke 4, 19 says, I give you the authority to use my power Oh, come on, help me in the house. He gives me the authority. He gives me the right. He gives me the ability to use the power of his name and his work to take down the power of the devil. I've heard people tell it. Oh, the devil doesn't. He's had all these teeth pulled. He's a toothless lion roaming who he can devour. I would show you Steve's bite marks, but we're a G-rated audience. He's got a few scars. I've got a few scars. 
I can't feel this part of my face. If I slobber, forgive me. If I get to a word I can't say, forgive me. This part of my mouth don't work real good. Pray for me, I only get half a kiss. I have no feeling in my top lip, but I want to tell you, I work at it twice as hard to make up for it. The devil I am opposing has power. That devil has power. When Aaron threw down his staff, that staff turned into a snake. But then all the magicians that was with him, or with Pharaoh, threw down their staves, and they all became serpents. He had the power to replicate what Jesus or what God had done. But then, say, but then. <laughs> oh, but then. That little serpent went over there and ate all the rest of them. And if I do what God asked me to do and I'm obedient and I stay connected to his spirit, I can tread upon serpents. I was preaching a few weeks ago over in South Carolina. Kenny was there and I just, it just blew up inside of me. This Goliath can fall. How many of you believe the Goliaths of this country can fall? They can be destroyed. They can be defeated. We just got to do our part of this thing. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might participate in the advancing and establishing his kingdom here on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, come on. I'm giving you the word. God gives us that ability. So I said, God, what would you have me to do? And he gave me four things. Number one, we're going to erase the ingratitude of our nation. You're the guy that they had made the movie about, right? Are you the guy? Huh? Where's he at? Okay. Couldn't tell. For, there you are. How many of you see that purple heart on this man's vest? How many of you know he needs to be honored? How many of y'all know this country's done a horrible job? Especially to our Vietnam veterans. Twice, sir. Awesome. I've got a coin I want to give you before you leave. This year, you helped us stomp on the devil of ingratitude when you supported us on Run for the Wall. This church gave us a lot of money to go out there and serve water and snacks and Gatorade. He gave, they, you helped us buy gasoline for 42 people. You helped us pay for the motel rooms for 42 people so that we could go out there and say, veterans, we honor you. And as a church, we're here to serve you. Amen. <laughs> That's what we did with your resources. None of it went in Carolyn and I's pocket. Had a Jew one time was with me. And I was handling monies going to Montana and going to run for the wall and going to free camp. And I was helping some other, I forget what the other group was, but I had four groups and we was traveling across America. And he looked at me and he said, Gary, you got things happening in every rich direction. 
He said, how do you keep it all straight? And I said, just smiled. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know. And he said, hey, I just got to know, what kind of cut do you get off of it? And I said, what in the world are you talking about? And he said, what percentage do you take for administrating it? I said, those administration costs are stored in a place called heaven. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense to anybody? So thank you. The second one that we chose to stand against is abortion. I don't know if I said it well ago. 60 some odd percent of the girls who have an abortion claim to be a born again Christian. So we're going to stand against abortion. We're going to do it with that diaper run. And y'all be, y'all's a part of that even more so than you've ever been this year. So thank you for your partnership. Are y'all following me? We're treading on serpents. Y'all following me? The third one was the transgender movement. How many of you know that gender, transgender movement is mutilating our children's bodies? Before they're old enough to know what's right and wrong, before their mind is old enough, we have people coercing them and directing them to mutilate their bodies. How many of you believe that giant can fall? How many of you believe we can save our children? How many of you believe we can save our grandchildren? I believe that giant can fall. I'm going to go down, Steve. I know you are too. We're going to go down fighting it. You know how we do that? We don't go out there and scream at the homosexuals. There's, I was praying last night and I said, God, you've got to lead me in a, more directions. But screaming and yelling and teaching and quoting scripture to them, you're only going to drive them farther away. The only way we're going to reach those folks is through radical, risky, costly love. Building relationships with them. Get them to the place where they can see Jesus wearing that coat all over me. When I'm with them, I don't have to preach. I live to preach. It's Jesus' glory on my life. Oh, come on. Help me in the house. That's the Jesus that I serve. I've had people tell me you've never been homeless, you've never been drunk, you've never been done drugs, you've never done all of these, you've never been a biker. How do these people relate to you? I said, they don't relate to me. They relate to the Jesus that's inside of me. And Jesus never sinned to reach anybody. Again, I try to live what Jesus did. So we have a thing called free camp. We bring little kids in off the streets and we mix them with church kids. And we put them in an environment where those kids are on the church's turf. Does that make sense? They stay all night. Say that with me, all night. Say, all night. Yeah. I've slept on a concrete floor with a kid that lived in an $850,000 house back in the, probably in the like 98, 99, 97, living in a high dollar home. No telling what it'd be worth today. And on this side was a boy that lived in a house with cardboard windows. And I worked hard to break the social, racial, economical barrier that kept those two kids apart because Jesus was the common denominator. Is that, are y'all following me? 
I'm so excited about what y'all done for those three girls that's coming back this coming Wednesday. But I must tell you, I'm excited for them, but not near as much as Addie. <laughs> I have a granddaughter that's with them. And she was, she was destined. She had already been accepted at Oklahoma State University. She already had her scholarships in place. She already had her deposits made. She had everything in line and she was going to be, she had been accepted in the engineering department, which is Oklahoma State University is one of the top engineering schools in America. And she went to a, a youth service and God got a hold of her heart. And she said, mama, I can't. She went in at midnight, work her mama up and said, mama, I can't go to OSU and I can't be an engineer. God's calling me to the mission field. I got to be out there where God wants me to be. And she told us, she said, I want to pick up the mantle of the free camp. And her mission field is going to be breaking down those, those barriers that are dividing our children and bringing them into the camp. Oh, come by know that Jesus is fulfilling his promises. God is up to a great work. But I think the church, by and large, is going to miss it. Because it's not going to be dressed the way God has dressed it in the past. It's going to look different, smell different, and be different. And we're going to have to be willing to roll with him. Amen? Amen. There's one last thing that we stomped on. Usually I have people to stand and we may do it before it's over. So let's go and stomp on those devils. How many of you are ready to stomp on some devils with me? The last one is racism. How many of you know that giant can fall in this country? That giant can fall in this country. Our children and our children's children don't need to continue this bloodbath that's going on in our country. I can't fix all of the problems. I can't solve them all. I just say, God, what is it? What is that little bitty part? What is that little bitty part that I need to fulfill? And he took me to Montana. And we're addressing some radical, horrible things that goes on in Montana I've walked into stores that said no Indians and no dogs allowed in this store. Corey and Janice, the little team that they play for up there in Dodson, Montana, went into a restaurant to eat and they were all Native Americans except for a couple. And the owner met them at the door and said, no Indians at my restaurant. I'm not feeding a one of you. How many of you know that happened in the now, not 400 years ago? We've been doing it for 400 years to them, but we decided we're going to do something different. And I'm so excited because there was a group of people from Tallahassee, Florida that said, we're going to go up there and stomp on those devils with you. We're going to tell those kids they're worth it. We're going to give them a basketball camp. How many of y'all know God's doing something today? <laughs> Some of y'all, you got excitement written all over you. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Some of you are sitting there going, oh my God, when is this over? God's doing it. We're going to stomp on some devils, and I'm going to close with this. He said that he has given us, he came to destroy the works of the devil in our own life. How many of you believe that he wants to destroy those devils in his own life? Praise team, if you would come and sing that song, uh, Jesus, I wrote it down.
Speak the name of Jesus. There's some lines in there we want to capitalize on. How, how many of you will understand that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in your life? But he came to destroy the works of the devil in your life so you could be a participant in breaking the bondages in other people's lives. He didn't save you to set you up like a cute little trophy and say, oh, look at here. You know, he only, I only find he done that one time and it didn't work out too good for Job. You know, he's not here. He didn't send his son so that he can... I, I thought that the church, when I was raised in it, I thought the church's goal was to make me a cute little boy. Make me a good little boy. I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I spent all of my time trying to keep the world out of me. I spent all of my time trying to play the defense. And then I came to James 1.27. And it says, this is pure religion. Take care of other people. Then worry about the world getting in you. If you're so busy helping orphans, helping widows, people that can't cross that chasm. If you're so busy helping others, you don't have time to sin. You're too busy running after God and His people. And when you can wrap your head around that, it makes holy living a whole lot better. Now here's what we're going to close with. We're going to close with this out of Luke 4. I mean out of um, yeah, Luke, Luke 4.18. Jesus said, I am anointed. Say, I'm anointed. I mean, if you believe that he's given you the power, the authority to use that power or that anointing. Are y'all connecting the dots with me? I'm giving you the authority to use the power of that anointing that I talked about from Isaiah in Luke, the fourth chapter. And he said, here's what I want to do. I want to preach the hope. I want to preach good news to the poor. Now, I don't think bad about me. We feed a lot of hungry people. But my job, as I see it, is not to eradicate poverty in our country. Jesus said, you will always have the poor among you. I don't buy into the gospel that says it's better to feed or teach a man to fish than it is to give him a fish. That's American dream, American Western gospel. My Bible says feed them. That's all the instruction he gave. Feed those that are hungry. Close those that are naked. So my heart is, is to take people who are poor, maybe physically and financially, or maybe poor in spirit. They don't think that God could ever use them. And our goal in this new training center is to bring those people in and not fix the world's problems, but fix their problem and tell them in your poverty, you can have purpose. How many of you believe that God is not looking for provision to his people? He's looking for purpose to his people. And if we can get that deep down inside of us, how many of you know it's not a sin to be hungry? Paul was hungry. Jesus was hungry. It's not a sin to be hungry. It's a sin to not find purpose in your life. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my darndest. Carol and I are going to give it everything we've got this last season of our life. To tell people, I don't care what your finances is. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what is going on in, their, in your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. I'm hoping to plant churches by buying a new tent for a homeless guy. And they pull people into that tent and give them Jesus down in that ghetto. How many of you believe God can do something like that? He said, I'm, I'm, going, I'm here, the anointing is on me to open the eyes of the blind. How many of you will help me agree that the, the world, America, is blind to truth today? They're blind to what is truth. What is wrong, they see right. And what's right, they see wrong. And Jesus, that giant can fall. And people, our children, if we can take them into places like not free camps, not the whole answer, but if we can take those children in and tell them this is the way God made you and he loves you and embraces you in the way God made you. And we can embrace that thought. We can change that enemy and open some blinded eyes to truth. Will you agree with that? Third thing that he says, he said, I come to heal those that are crushed. I believe that Jesus wants to heal crushed hearts. Put an old Indian statement on my Facebook a couple of days ago. Healing doesn't mean that the events never happened. It means they no longer control my destiny. My pains do not control my destiny. My pains are washed away. Yes, do I remember them? Oh my gosh. How many of y'all know what it is to have a, your skeletons in the closet rattle about two o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I got some of those. And when they rattle, I go, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. I know they're forgiven. I know they're forgiven. I know that's all under me. But by your blood, I can keep moving forward. Y'all following any of that? And last one, he said, I've come to set at free those that are captive. I believe the name of Jesus can still set the addicts free. And I don't care if it's addiction to food or if it's addiction to marijuana or crack cocaine. I don't care if it's addictions to pleasure and fun. I don't care if it's addictions to the American dream and how much you can get on this side of the earth. I don't care what that addiction is. That giant can fall. And he can come down. Do y'all believe that with me this morning? Stand with me, would you please? I'm going to do something just a little different. I believe that so many times we have these sessions where we th people think, let's just set it back, yeah? Thank you, Steve. We have these times and we, we move and we don't give people time for their needs to be met. And so I want you to see this morning that if one of those four things, if you feel depressed and poor in your spirit, I've seen people that had boatloads of money but were poor in their spirit. So I don't care what that poverty looks like. I want you to know that the Jesus came to destroy the works of that devil in your life. 
if you can't really see truth, if you thought you had truth and you have begun to wonder, was I really right? And it's happening in our pulpits. People are starting swaying. They're starting to say, well, I don't think that's so bad anymore. And they're buying into sins. Are y'all following me? Maybe you need your eyes to be opened. You can be big enough to admit, I need some help to see. Maybe, maybe, maybe your heart's still crushed. Someone's let you down. Somebody's betrayed you. Somebody's offended you. Somebody physically abused you. And you're still carrying that. I know people that are 80. Uh, this one lady I'm thinking about is 88 years old. And she still carries an abuse that happened to her when she was 12 years old, 13 years old. How I many you know there's a God bigger than that? Yeah. Yeah. And just maybe there's some in here that you feel captivated. You feel like you're, the world's closing in on you. It's sad. 22 veterans will kill themselves today because the world got too much for them. The pressure. And they needed to be set free. I don't know what your circumstances are, but maybe you're one of those. Carolyn, I'd like for you to come around over here and stand. Would you do that? And I want, if you are feel poor in your spirit, I want you to come and let her pray for you. Yvonne, would you come and stand right here? If you need, if you need your eyes opened, you're struggling with what is truth, you're confused, be big enough to come down and let Yvonne pray over you. Let her, let her pray with you. Pastor Steve, would you stand over here? If your heart's crushed and you're still carrying that pain, I want you to come up here and stand and let Pastor Steve pray with you and bring a relief of that crushing spirit that is in you and let God heal and let him restore. And if you need to be set free, you need to be delivered, you need to to expand the Lord in your life and to be free from those bondages. I keep trying to hand that off, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to pray for that. So if you wanted that, I want you, I'll stop long enough over here by Steve and we'll, we'll pray for you, okay? And then what we're going to do today is if there's people that come up, don't patronize me. It, it don't, we're not here to play a game. So if none of these people come forward, that's a, we'll, we're going to be good with that. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray. If you would like to be a person that could help set captives free, you'd like to be the person that could open the eyes. You could like to be the person where healing could flow through you. I want you to come and feel this part of the front. And we're going to pray that God will motivate and release and send forth his labors into the fields around this church and this community. Can y'all go with me? Is that okay, Pastor? That's just where I believe we need to go this morning. So as these folks do a wonderful job leading us, speak the name of Jesus. I want you to make your way down and let these folks pray with you. And we're going to believe God's going We didn't come to church to play church. We come to see God move. Amen? And if you want something from God this morning, you come on down and then we'll come back and close it up all right you made it to the end of the message and now what is god leading you to make a change 
Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.